It's time now for today's edition of Community Conversations. It's the interview program in which we dialogue with voices from the Omaha community. And here's your host for Community Conversations. Let's welcome Cami Carlisle. How much is that doggy in the window? The one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that doggy's for sale. I must take Hello and welcome to another edition of Community in. Conversations. I'm Cammie Carlisle, and today we're chatting with Megan Mackey, volunteer extraordinaire at Little White Dog Rescue and Snafu Rescue, which is stands for Short Noses and Friends United Rescue. Welcome, Megan. Nothing more I love than dogs. How are you? I'm great, Cammie. Good. So you love dogs. I love dogs. I don't know how we're going to wrap this up in 30 minutes, but we'll try. So (laughs) you volunteer for these two organizations. How did you get into this? How did you start volunteering? What was your path? Um, About 11 years ago, I had a dog that passed away and she was pretty aggressive with other dogs. So she had been my only baby. Uh And when she passed away, it was also at the exact same time that I was losing my eyesight Mm -hmm. and had to quit working and quit driving. So everything kind of hit at once. And I just kind of found myself thinking, oh my God, what am I even doing here? What am I going to do with myself? So Mm -hmm. um, for fear of me losing my mind, my sister took me to the next day, go get a little puppy. Uh And despite how cute she was, I just still felt like something was missing. Um, My last dog was all white. And so Uh I just started looking things up and um, signed up to volunteer with Little White Rescue first. Uh Aha. Now the Short Nose Friends Unite, you know, I've never heard of them. Are they newer? They're newer to me. And the funny part about it is for Little White Dog Rescue, I started processing applications for people that wanted to adopt dogs. Uh And so if a person applied, they would have three references and I would call those people and chat with them about if they thought these people were a good fit for the dog. Um, And it's one of those people that I was kind of interviewing that Mm -hmm. turned me on to Snafu Rescue, which... Uh, I will never be turned off. I think I was talking about the fact that I already had several of the flat nosed dogs and they said, you're going to have to check this one out. And I just couldn't help myself after that. Right. I mean, how can you seriously, (laughs) we don't deserve dogs. I really am like, they are just the best thing. But before we get too far into that, so Megan off the air, you said you have seven dogs right now. Right now for the holiday weekend, we blasted it off with seven dogs. So five are my own dogs that are permanent residents. One of them is my foster boy. And then uh-huh. another one was someone else's foster who was going out of town. Ah. So we took her under our wing for the weekend, but she will be departing tonight. She's uh-huh. also up for adoption right now. But um, when you foster, sometimes you still need a break. So we kind of will babysit for each other. Um So that's how, how we racked up that total for the weekend. Wow. That sounds heavenly. So when you foster, I don't think I could do that. Is it hard? Are you, have you ever had a foster fail where you just like, yes, it is hard. And that's everybody's first question is, oh my gosh, don't you get so attached to them? And you do, you absolutely do, but they need that to kind of come through, um, into a new life. So my first dog that I ever 
quote unquote fostered was a foster fail. It took me about 24 hours to realize I couldn't live without her. Um, she was a seven year old bulldog that was a breeder release. And I, and you're not even supposed to be allowed to keep your first dog, but I just absolutely fell apart about everything. And they're like, okay, here you go. So she, (laughs) and she kind of turned it all on for me. She was just amazing. And I'm always advocating for the older dogs are, they're oftentimes left out, but they are some of the most amazing souls that you'll find. You were totally right. The last two dogs that we adopted, we, to make a very long story short, we adopted three dogs during COVID because we had lost our original elderly pack right before COVID. And we did not intend to adopt three red dachshunds. That was not the plan, but we did. And they were all elderly and we're down to one, sadly. But you know what? You're right about those old dogs. They are so special and they are so often overlooked. Everybody wants a puppy, right? Everybody wants a young dog. Tell us what you think about the older dogs and why they're so special. Everybody does want a puppy, but I think people forget how much work goes into a puppy. Um, I actually prefer them older when they come in, even for fostering, just because puppies are nonstop little madmen. So um, the older ones just... I mean, they've been practicing their whole life waiting for their family to show up. Um, And I feel like they're like, well, maybe this is my family. And all they really want is for you to love them. They've got all that energy almost out of them, but they've still got a, I mean, they've still got a lot of spunk left. I had watched somebody else's foster that was nine years old. Uh And I swear she was like, I'm like, this dog is not nine. There's no way. So you have to wait till you meet the dog. You can't look at the age. It's yep. just, and even those little years, like Grace I was a seven-year-old I adopted and mm-hmm. I had her till she was 11 and a half and she was the most amazing dog for that period of time. And it doesn't sound like very long, but when every day is like heaven, I mean, it's, it, make, it makes up for the time you lost. Right. And a lot of them have maybe so much, some people say pent up anger, but it's pent up love that they just haven't yes. gotten a chance to to give, you know, to somebody else that loves them or the older ones are used to a certain lifestyle and maybe their owner passed away or went to a home Mm -hmm. or um, there's other, not as great reasons, but they, you know, it's nothing probably that they did. No, not at all. And you're right. You know, we had, we adopted one of our dogs since he was 14 and he just passed and he was 19. I think he ended at the end and I felt, and I was just saying like, I don't know if I can do old dogs because you don't have them enough. So I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I do want an old dog too. (laughs) I can't help it. (laughs) You're right. They're just full of love. They're absolutely full of love. So tell us what are your five dogs that you have right now? So the first dog that I got after my Lola passed away. Um, her name's Claire. She's a Boston Terrier. She's mm-hmm. going to be 10 in February. Um, then we've got Nella, who is from Little White Dog Rescue. She uh-huh. is turning four soon. She's a French bulldog. I got her when she was three months old because she was urinary incontinent and uh-huh. had what they call swimmer's legs. So uh-huh. her little legs didn't work right. Something inside of her didn't work right. She still wears a diaper. They uh-huh. were hopeful that maybe she'd grow out of it or uh-huh. a medication would help. Um, the only thing left is a semi-invasive surgery, but she has no idea that she wears a diaper or that it matters. Um, she's a little tomboy. Aww. I've 
got Margo, who's from Snafu Rescue. Uh-huh. Um, I got her when she was seven. She's now 10. She's totally blind, has no eyes. Um, and I got her when I was going through a hard time. I was going through a divorce and I thought that would be my project. And lo and behold, she said, mm-hmm. I don't need any help. She's perfectly fine at everything. Um, she likes to hang out at home is her only, only dilemma. I have taught her to walk on a leash, which she wasn't able to do, but otherwise, other than that, she figured everything out on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, she's per- perfectly capable of everything. And she's a French bulldog. Also, mm-hmm. I've got an English bulldog from, um, little white dog rescue named Tilly uh-huh. and she's 11 and a half. Um, I was her third home. She was returned back to the rescue three different times. And then I just kept seeing her pop up. And I finally thought, why do they keep returning this dog? And uh-huh. she is ornery, but she will be here for life. Um, Good. And then my last boy is also from Snafu. His name is Augie. Um, he's three. And I got him about a year and a half ago. He was rendered um, like he had a problem with his back end where he was incontinent at the time back there. But mm-hmm. he has kind of come through that with a success. So he's pretty much 100% perfect. He's the only boy dog I've ever had. And I'm obsessed with him. So um <laughs> And now all these boys keep coming my way. I don't know that my last couple of fosters have been boys. I'm like, I don't know why I never had boy dogs, but so that's the crew I've got now. Um, wow. I've got one foster through um, Snafu. His name is Tansy. Uh-huh. He is a knight. Um, he's five. He's a breeder release. Um, he's got some major issues going on. He came in with a ear infection that went all the way through his ear rod. He had a tick borne disease. He's got a tumor on his testicle that makes one of them three times bigger than the other one. So he will go in to get that worked on and hopefully it's something that he can survive through, but he's basically just came in very skinny and very petrified of everything, especially men. So he's taking some time adjusting. And then the little Willa is our, is our temporary weekend stayer. And she is also snafu. She's a little black French bulldog and she's feisty. So she's made her impression quickly, (laughs) but my dogs really, my main dogs really do a lot of the work for me. Um, They help more than I can show um, the foster dogs, what to do. And it's just kind of amazing. They all play their part. They all, you know, one's the one that likes to play ball. One's the one that breaks up fights. One's the one that buddies up and sleeps with the others. I mean, they all, they all do their little job. So. Oh, I love that. I can't take credit for all the work. They help me out. Aren't dogs amazing? I mean, seriously, seriously amazing animals. And I tell you what, lady, you are going to heaven. (laughs) Seriously. And I get it. If I could have a million dogs, I would. I've only had a pack, always three. But like I said, we're down to one. But Uh thank goodness to these uh, wonderful rescue places you work at, there's lots of dogs that need homes. And there always is, right? I mean, it seems like there's always. Yes. I swear I adopt one out and then the next week we've got another. I mean, I know every day they're coming. So it's stunning. Now, so both of these places that you volunteer, they're both nonprofits, right? Correct. 
Now, do they exist solely on donations or do you know, is there grant funding or how, how does no grant funding? This is just all donations and all people volunteering and people that are so passionate, whether it be, you know, like last Friday, it was $5 Friday and we had five French Bulldogs that were surrendered in from one place. And, you know, they just posted on Facebook, like if you have $5 to skip Starbucks today, can you Ah. donate $5 and just every, every bit of the money goes to these dogs and the care that they need when they come in. Like I said, Tansy is in bad shape and all of that costs money and it's, there's never enough. So they, they do fundraising. A lot of times it's like auctions twice a year, both rescues do that, which are online auctions are easy to access. If you're on Facebook, Mm -hmm. it's just volunteers putting baskets together, making homemade gifts. And then they auction all that stuff off. There's wine tasting events. There's, I mean, anything we can get our hands on, we collaborate with other small businesses that will maybe give a portion of the proceeds for that week to the rescue. There's not a single person that works with us that gets paid a dollar. And these turn into being, everyone has another job and these turn into being more than a full-time job. I mean, dogs are coming from breeders at 11 PM and somebody has to drive them. Somebody has to be ready to take them in. And without the volunteers, we don't have a place to put these dogs. Um, Every dog in both organizations is a foster dog at a person's home. And we just feel like that's the best way to guarantee their success because they're coming in with most of the time, if they're breeder release, they have no little to no social skill, no potty training skills. A lot of them don't know how to eat out of a bowl. They don't, they just are coming in like little infants. Yeah. If not worse. Yeah. If, and that's if they're not terrified. I mean, some of them will not come out of a kennel for weeks on end. So getting to know them and helping them through, but also it gives us the opportunity to be really honest with our adopters about what they're getting themselves into. So if we have a dog that does not like kids or it doesn't like other dogs or it howls or it chews up carpeting or, you know, we're very honest about exactly what you're getting yourselves into because um, we we want them to find their best home, the best home that they can. And then we want them to stay there because it's such an adjustment for them. And that's the kind of hard part about watching them grow and you can, you know, help mold them into something, but then they go to their forever home and they have to start over, which at least they have a good start. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, you're, you just want the best for them. I love that. So neither place has brick and mortar. All the animals are with someone. Uh, yep. No, oh, we don't have any establishment. We do meet and greets at different places. So a lot of times pet stores will host a meet and greet, which dogs will be there. Um, and you can go meet them at that time, but we don't have them in cages anywhere or everybody has a family. So, and that mm-hmm. family, the person that's hosting the dog, mm-hmm. they have a really big part in where the dog goes for their next owner because you're the only person that truly knows the dog. We've got teams of different people that do different things. Um, we've got a team of people that literally drives all over the United States and drives legs 
of these wow. dogs trips because though we're local, we get calls from shelters, from breeders, from people all over the United States that are like, Hey, we got these dogs and they need, you know, they, and there's no transportation for them. So our volunteers will drive two hours at a time, spend their whole weekend driving. I mean, we had some tiny puppies dropped off that were cleft palate, so they couldn't latch on to their mom. Oh. And we had a volunteer drive nine hours out of nowhere because otherwise these dogs weren't going to make it because they couldn't eat. Oh, so goodness. these people just love dogs so much. The dogs are the number one thing, but the the companionship of the other people that are just as crazy as you are about dogs is yeah. is the other thing. And watching the stories, you know, that everybody posts on Facebook and you root for each other and you're, you wake up hoping, you know, so-and-so made it through their surgery or the horrible beginning of a post. It's like, we lost our best. And then, and then you're crying and someone that you've never met, but you just can feel the passion and the love between all of these people. Oh my gosh. I love it. And I love that there's so many good humans out there that are doing great things for these dogs that need us. Um, To make another long story short, my first pack, like I said, was an American Eskimo pack. And it was from a breeder that was busted in the middle of night out in Lexington. And my ex-wife and I ended up adopting a mama and she was pregnant when they got her and she had the babies at the Humane Society. So we got a baby too. Oh, yep. That has happened. Sometimes that does happen when the babies are born. Otherwise, a lot of the babies that we get are a pretty severe health problem. That's really the only way because some of these dogs can be sold for $5,000. They're not just going to give up a puppy if they can sell it. So um, a lot of the puppies come in with some pretty severe problems and we don't turn anybody away really. I mean, there's puppies that have a heart condition and they've cost $5,000, $6,000 to at the chance that a a stint in their heart might make them survive. And some survive and some don't, but there we're always rooting for each one. There's like no, no dog left behind. So that's amazing. And I know people sometimes do balk at the adoption fees, but like you said, I mean, it depends on, of course, the condition the dog is in, but even if they're not spayed or they just need basic blood work to find out, are they healthy? Are they okay? I mean, a lot goes in to taking care of a dog. Yes. And I'm always surprised at people balking at the cost. And it's just the cost. Yeah. The cost we lose so much in the cost. I mean, every dog needs a full evaluation. If not more, usually it is more. Um, So of course we're going to drop the price a little bit. If it's a harder dog to adopt, maybe an older dog or a dog with a permanent condition. Um, The puppies are a little bit more just because we know they can make up for some of the things that we can't get out of an older dog's adoption, but also some of the dogs that come in are non-adoptable and we don't put the dog to sleep. They just are live with one of the fosters until it's their time to go. And so all of that care that, that goes into making them comfortable and letting them live out their life, um, at least being loved for whatever time that they have left. I mean, that, that all goes into it. We don't, you know, they don't pay really, we get food donated, but all the volunteers usually provide the food. We really spend every single penny on medical bills and, well, we're lucky if it's a wash between what we spent on medical bills and right. what it costs to have the dog treated. 
Oh my goodness. And I just, the whole not having a brick and mortar. So one of my questions was going to be, what do you do as a volunteer thinking that there are brick and mortars? So that is so not even a valid question because I'm guessing as a foster, I mean, it's just like you having a dog, you feed it, you care for it, you make sure it has water, you let it outside. But I'm guessing also it's pretty helpful that you have a pack, like you said, that each one has their own roles and they can kind of teach this dog how to be a dog. A lot of it's just even, I mean, a lot of times they'll come in if they're a, a breeder release, which is what I usually work with there. I mean, they've been kept outside or in a kennel. They just are brand new to everything. So even Tansy right now, he's comfortable with the kitchen and the dog door. He has not made it into the living room yet. And I've had that happen several times where they just, even a house environment is new to them. So it's just over, it's more than a 24 hours a day job. And there's other things people can do. If you, if you don't want your house filled with dogs, there are many things that you can do to help the applications processing that I was doing. And originally is something you do from home. It's just calling people in the daytime or in the evening. If you're a driver and you go out of town often, or you don't mind road trips, like I said, the transport people, um, the events, they always need volunteers to help with that. Um, the auctions and donations, um, there's, you don't have to have your house filled with dogs to help. Um, you, there's many ways that you can help even outside of having dogs. So is there anything in particular that either one of these organizations need dearly right now that we can get the word out that you need help with? Um, just, I guess, participating in those auctions or donating we, and we desperately, desperately need, um, just foster homes because the more people that we have that are willing to take a dog in, the more dogs we can help. If we literally don't have another place because we're picking them up from the breeder and they're driving in, like you said, we don't have an establishment. So it's not like they can wait till someone can take them. It's either right then they're going somewhere or we don't have room for them. So, um, just volunteers are crucial. Um, donations are crucial. Those are the main, okay. the main two. Good deal. Yeah. And those are all easy to do. I mean, very easy. Even like you said, $5. I mean, that will go a long ways. If yep. you pitch in five bucks. If we're, yeah. If we're on our, fa- if you're on our Facebook page and say we have 400 people and those people have $10, that's $4,000. And that can cover those five dogs that we have coming in yep. to get spayed and checked up and start their new life. And I mean, that it makes a huge difference. Everybody coming together can make a huge difference. Absolutely. So I know that in the Midwest, and I don't know, I'm sure in other states as well, breeders, we've got good ones, we've got bad ones, and we've got those in between. So the ones that you rescue that are coming in from you, are they from a certain kind of breeder or just we need help? Or how does that work? How do they reach out to you? Since the snafu is just bulldogs, French bulldogs and pugs, generally those are going to be the more commercial breeders because they're pure breed dogs. We do sometimes get like a Boston French bulldog mix, but it's not very often. Mm -hmm. Um, And generally speaking, like I said, it's going to be the babies that have a major health catastrophe or at the age of five to six to seven is when they stop breeding the dog. And that's going to be a majority of of the dogs that we get in are dogs that they can no longer use. They put very little money into maintaining the dog's health while it's there. It's just a business. So, um, and sometimes a breeder will release, you know, up to 
15 dogs on a day. So, you know, if they can release that many dogs without a blink of the eye, it's hard to imagine how many dogs are really there. And almost none of the time um, when we go pick them up, are we on the property? Mm -hmm. They always meet you somewhere else. You don't ever Mm -hmm. really see the real conditions of it. And we try to just turn our head and get the dogs out of there and not cause a scene because we want the people to reach back out to us when they have more dogs. Our main goal is not to to shame people or judge people. It's just to get the dogs out of that environment and get them where somewhere where they're safe and loved. Right. Well, you all are doing amazing work at these rescues. We've got about five minutes left. And I do want to ask you, so when you are working with your dogs and fosters, due to your visual impairment, is there anything different that you have to do with dogs or is it just same thing? It's a lot of paying attention, I guess, since most cues are, are visual. Um, you, I guess I just have to listen harder and pay attention to like, I can tell body motions, but I can't tell a lot of detail. Mm -hmm. So it's just picking up on little clues or, or learning from mistakes that might happen. If, if something's a trigger where that causes a fight or it causes a problem, but really um, it's just the time and the patience mm-hmm. and it, that I don't think it is affected by my vision. But one thing that my vision does affect is probably the amount of dog hair that I leave the house wearing without noticing um, potential accidents that I may slide through. Or I also can't smell. So I'm sure that I leave the house with some funk of dog odor at all times. But besides that, um, I, think I love that. Okay. <laughs> like, hey, there's our dog lover. I love that. There's our I lady covered you, in hair. So. I, I, uh, I wear trifocals and I'm often covered in hair and I have a roller at every door and I still leave the house with hair. Oh my gosh. I don't put on yoga pants till the instant that my Moby's pulling up because it's like, there's no way that I'm making it out of here. Right? I literally get dressed a second before I'm leaving work because I got to get everybody in their spot. And then there's just no, there's, there's no way around it. So. I love it. I love it. It's part of the love, right? I mean, it's just what it is. So Megan, do you have any favorite stories that you can share with us quickly about your volunteering at these rescues? Um, I guess every, just every dog that you come in contact with has their own story mm-hmm. and everyone, it, it will make me want to start crying. Like every single one, I just love them so, so much each one. And mm-hmm. then I worry so much and the the best part about it is kind of getting to be their first mom, but then also getting to help them connect with a family that you think nobody's going to love them as much as I love them. And then when you get to see them with their new family, you know, living their dream life, that makes it all worth it. It's, it's stages when I'm getting ready to, you know, write a bio for a dog. I'm uh-huh. always in tears. Uh-huh. And but when the people come to pick them up, I'm a mess, but I then I get to see them, you know, my last boys just moved to Portland, Oregon. He's running on the beach oh, at a, like beachside in, in Portland. And I'm like, can I go with him? I mean, it's like, that's my dream life. So just yeah. like they get to live an amazing life and, and to get a, to be a part of that. And I make some of the best friends. I swear, like the, just, we come together when people work on the same 
dog project, like you're attached to that dog and whether the person drove them to your house. I mean, everybody wants to stay updated and everybody just, you know, to know them is to love them. So anybody that's come in contact with them, you're kind of like a little family, like a little team. And I just like thoroughly enjoy the pup dates, the parents sending me pictures. Like it, it, I could never have enough updates. So that's probably my favorite part. Oh my gosh, Megan. I think maybe you and I were separated at birth. I feel the (laughs) way about dogs. And I got to tell you, we lost our Sadie. She was 14 in April and we just lost Rusty and we still have one left, but I'm just, I mean, it just kills you. It's just part of the family and it just breaks your heart. But you know what? Even though we adopted elderly dogs and had them only for a few short years, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was wonderful. Really, Those guys amazing. need it. And the ones that need it second are the ones that are kind of non, not able to get along with other dogs. Those guys yep. are also really hard to place. So if you're a one dog person anyways, and you're not a dog part person and you're not, you know, you're more of a homebody and you can, can accommodate that dog. Those guys are always in need of a home too. Absolutely. So there it is, folks. We need homes for elderly dogs. We need ones that are a little rough around the edges. All these dogs, if you just give them love, right? I mean, it's just love and attention. Yep. And a lot of them boundaries. Have, yep. You know, yep. just learning to be a pet is what they're trying to do. Yep. And if you've got the patience, it is worth its weight in gold, isn't it? It is the only thing I swear by. Oh, me too. Well, Megan, <laughs> forever, seriously. So Little White Dog Rescue, that is littlewhitedogrescue.org and then snafurescue.org. Both of those great places. Megan's a volunteer there. And again, like she said, if you can't foster, you can certainly donate. You can attend auctions and events because there's no shortage of dogs that ever need homes. So Megan, thank you so much for all that you do. Seriously, we really appreciate it. Thanks, Cammy. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to share Share my love. Absolutely. It was a pleasure talking with you. I'm Cammie Carlisle, and you've been listening to Community Conversations on Radio Talking Book Service. Thanks so much for tuning in. You've been listening to Community Conversations on Radio Talking Book. It's the interview program that brings you voices from the Omaha community. The Radio Talking Book Network is brought to you with the cooperation of KIOS-FM in Omaha and statewide through the facilities of NET Radio and Television. We've been proudly serving our blind and visually impaired listeners for 46 years. Thank you for being a loyal Radio Talking Book listener and supporter.